Now then, today I want to talk to you about something that it's always so. I started last week. I told you that I was going to talk to you in these coming days as we think about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Notice that word that's in that date, Thanksgiving. And then there comes Christmas. You remember the scripture, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. One of the things you'll learn if you know anything about the Bible, the things that one of the things that is very obvious in a Christian's life, a born-again Christian, they become a giver. When your baby was born, they're takers. Amen and amen. For those of you that are single, you don't know what I'm talking about. But just trust me, you will not have to teach them to take. It'll come absolutely natural, normal, no problem. But when a person is born again and God moves into their life and if Christ in us is a hope of glory, then the Christ that comes into our life is a giving God. Again, quote it with me, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That life is a life of giving. One of the things we will do when we stand before a holy God or maybe kneel before that God when he calls us home, the Bible talks about some crowns of glory that will be given to some that just went the third and the fourth mile to follow the Lord. And those crowns, a soul winning crown is one of those crowns. But that crown will be taken off and put at the feet of Jesus. Because every good and every perfect gift comes down as a gift from the Father. The problem with religion today all over the world is that most religions believe that if you do, 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 then everything will be good for you. In other words, they, it's simply saying that, that I believe that I can earn my salvation. You cannot earn your salvation. It's a gift from God. That gift of love does come into a believer's life. Always. That one evidence that that gift is within you from God is you too, as he is, the Bible says, so we will be. God loved the world. Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. But again, when religions are all put together, we begin to see a group of people that literally believe that they can live like everyone else and then go to heaven and everything is fine. Christian people don't live like other people because they don't think like other people. Those that have God in their life go around seeing, what can I do to bless somebody else today? I mean, it's as simple as letting somebody get in front of you on the freeway without having a holy fit. It, it, it's as little as just seeing somebody get the last piece of chocolate pie at the cafeteria. And you think, you rascal, you. If I ever get a chance to, to take your pie, I'm going to take it, you know. If you participate in any kind of gambling, you're a taker. That's what you're in there for. You take money from others and dump it on yourself because you say, I want your stuff. 
I am not a giver, I'm a taker. Nobody goes into gambling to see how much money they can give away. They go into that to see how much of other people's money they can take, and many times at the great hurt of many millions of families or millions of people around the world. So when we talk about this, it's not about the collection plate. It's not about that God wants my money. For many of you, he's got by without it to this point, and he will continue to get by without it. So your giving is not going to affect what God does, but it will affect what happens to your life as to whether you're going to enjoy your life or not. Takers are miserable people. They're always somebody is irritating them. But a giver is like Jesus, who said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. In Jeremiah 33 and 3, the scripture says, Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I entitled this message, Are You a Giver or a Taker? Then I put a byline, maybe this is better, and I just want to talk about the, the generosity generation. I, I want you to hear me today. You know, prosperity, this is a, something the Lord gave me 40 years ago or, or more. Prosperity is having everything you need and the capacity to enjoy it. That's prosperity. Prosperity is not having everything. It's having what you need, and then you take that and use it for God's glory, and God always blesses a giver. Most of you enjoy seeing the others open their presents at Christmas time. I mean, I've seen families almost have a fight over this. Oh, open your present. No, you open yours. No, 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 you open yours. You open yours. You open yours. Well, what are they saying? Well, I gave it to you, and I, wanna, I want you to open it because I want to see how you respond to what I gave you. I mean, you know how that takes place. Don't look so spiritual at me. <laughs> I've been to some of your Christmas parties. But God comes along and he says, listen, I'm going to build a group of people that are far different. My family is going to be a family of givers because they're going to be like him. And when they move about, they want to share their faith. They want to share their love. They want to share their resources. They do enjoy people coming and participating with them in things that bring joy to their life as well as glory to God. And so when I take the word generosity... I come up with several different things that I want to share with you this morning. First of all, generosity is demonstrating the reality and love of God by being a channel of His inexhaustible resources. God has got enough love to love the whole world. Now, how does He get it to the world? Through His kids. He gives it to us and then we give it to someone else who gives it to someone else. We're watching a third and fourth generation baptism a few minutes ago. How do those little ones come to know Jesus when they're children? Most of the time, daddy saved, mama saved, grandpa and grandma got saved. That love was passed down to their children. And as soon as they reached age, if they realized they were a sinner and God loved them and wanted to give them eternal life, they invited Jesus Christ to come into their heart, and now they have the rest of their life to live for God. 
That is an exciting, exciting thing to me. But that's what generosity is. It's demonstrating the reality and the love of God by being a channel of his inexhaustible resources. Now, number one, generosity is a primary quality because it expresses the nature of God. That's who God is. He's a generous person. Now, you must understand that. The rest of these will come right behind that one if that one is indeed true, and it is true. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might be made rich. How does that end? We get blessed. He dies on a cross. We get blessed. He rises from the grave, and we get blessed. He paid it all. He picked up the tab. All he says is, let me live my life through you. Let others see me by seeing you. Be a big difference from all of those that know not Jesus as Lord and Savior. Number two, generosity is having a good eye, whereas greed has an evil eye. Greed has an evil eye. When you start looking for things that can hurt others, things that can get things going in your mind by what you see, what you hear, where you go, what you take into your body, and it begins to tear up the mind that God gave you the will that God gave you, the love that God gave you, the talent that God gave you, the body that God gave you, and on and on and on. But you move into those things because, as the Bible says, it will always be that way for the overwhelming majority of the population of the world. It has been and it was before the time of Jesus, and it has been after the time of Jesus. Most of the world is looking out for themselves. They don't want to see others get blessed. They want to be blessed. They don't like for that to happen. But that's not who Jesus is. He was willing for others to be blessed if he would lay down his life on an old rugged cross. When the Bible says he could have called ten thousand angels but he died alone so you and I could be at church today and can give a word a look and a touch to people that really seriously need it number three generosity produces a bright countenance which reflects the light of Christ that's in our heart you know what when people get full of Jesus you can look at them and tell I mean, they don't get upset if you get their seat on an airplane. I mean, if you're rude and you sit down by them, they just witness to you. Not long before you get up and go somewhere else if there's another seat in the airplane. But, but the point is that, that generosity produces a bright countenance that reflects Jesus, and a lot of people are scared of Jesus. They don't want to come to church. I might get convicted. God, help it if I got saved. Lord, help us. That'd be terrible. I'd lose all my friends. 
Let me tell you something. One year you'll have ten times as many friends and they'll be really friends. What you got is a bunch of moochers and, and takers. But you come to Jesus and I'm talking right now to a building that is filled with people. And I'm preaching in a community where there have been thousands of people touched by the love of God for free through the ministry of this church. That's who we are. We're to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. And the only way you can do that is for Jesus to live in your life. The only way you can quit looking out for yourself and start taking care of others is for Jesus to come into your life. God saw us in a mess and sent Jesus, his only begotten son, to give his life in order that we could be born again and could be saved. Now that's the gospel. And by the way, for the two of you that don't know what that word means, it means good news. The word gospel means good news, good news, good news. In Proverbs 23, 4, the Bible says, don't labor to be rich. It's ridiculous. I've known a lot of rich people in my life. I've been to a lot of rich people's funerals in my life, and quite frankly, most of them were poorly attended. I have been around people that had a lot of money and don't know God, and I've been around people that had a lot of money that know God, and there's a big difference. One of my mentors, I called him yesterday. Most of you know who he is, but I'll not call his name over the airways or whatever. He's 99 years old. He's been my mentor since I was seven years old. And I asked him, I said, tell me again, because I'm going to preach on being generous. And he's the most generous person I ever met. And uh, he gives away millions of dollars every year. And uh, I said, tell me, tell me that story about when, when you grew up and you got your first job. He said, my daddy hired me to go to work for $5. A week, $5 a week. He said, son, give your first dollar to God. He said, number two, put the second dollar in a savings account and live on the $3. He said, I learned to live on $3 a week. And now he gives away millions. Why? Because God is looking for people to flow his wealth through. That aren't after people to look at them and say, oh, how great you are. I wished I was rich like you. I wished I could live where you live. Well, you better be glad you're not in North California today. As you see those big names, that are the, uh, actors and whatever, as their houses have become ashes, God bless them, God help them. But they're not the happiest people on earth today. But God has got a mansion for all of us. It's in heaven. I go and prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming again. And if I come again, I'm going to bring you to where I am so that there you can be also. That's what the book teaches. Jesus is coming again. Matthew 6, says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. But if your eye be evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. And then in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How exciting it is when people can see Jesus because they saw you. When they can realize that here is a person that has sensed the power of God is real and the word of God is true 
And the soon coming of the Lord is evident. But he's not finished yet. All those things that you may yearn for on this earth, if you know the Lord, no good thing, this book says, will he withhold from those that love him. When you get to heaven, you want to say, oh, I don't like this house. I don't have enough bedrooms. And I wanted a fireplace, you know. Trust me, we're going to like it. And you know what? We're going to love each other. Love each other unconditionally. But again, God says, I want my kids to be generous. And then, number four, generosity rejoices the heart of God because it magnifies his nature and his purpose in the world. God wants everybody to know who he is. And so he creates us, lives in us, so that we can just get a taste of what God is like, because we're not God. But we have some of those attributes, and God has all of those attributes. And so as we go about, listen to 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. One old preacher said a long time ago, says, but if you want to give God some money, he'll take, take it from a better one too. But he likes for you to be cheerful. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to do what he wants us to do and say, thank you, Lord. I did enjoy seeing the other person open their present more than when I opened mine, especially since it didn't fit. <laughs> you know what generosity does? It teaches us to do more instead of less. Now be honest with me. Some of you think if I come to church half the time, then I'm pretty good because I'm above the average. You really are. But that's not what it's all about. You know, we, we feel like, you know, generosity. Let me just go ahead and give you verse uh, number five. It teaches us to fear the Lord and to humble ourselves. We know he's going to do what he's going to do. And we have to humble ourselves and say we're not like him. None of us are yet like Jesus. But one day we will be. But right now, we should be more mature in the Christian faith than we were when we were a child. Now, for some, the greatest days of their giving was when they were children. I can remember Mrs. Dunaway standing at the door with a graham cracker and a little offering plate where we put our nickels and dimes when I was a little child. And it was some of the highest moments of the Sunday morning to bring to the Lord what he had entrusted to us. In Deuteronomy 14, 22, and that's in the Old Testament, if you're not real familiar with the scripture written before Jesus, in the 14th chapter, verse 22, it says, you shall truly tithe all the increase of your seed, and the field brings forth year by year, and you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he shall choose to place his name there. This scripture introduces a teaching of trusting God, planning your life, in his will. 
And then you can sing, wherever he leads, I will go. And that's what you do. You go wherever he leads. Proverbs 22 and 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. You've got to fear the Lord and be humble. Feel blessed. Don't complain about what you have. Be thankful for what you do have. You can always look around and see people that are hurting more than you. There are always those that have less than what you have. That's just the world. But the Lord comes back and says, listen. If you'll trust me, I'll bless you. And I will walk with you. I'll protect what I've given you from the evil one. Nobody will snatch you out of my hand. And the things I give you, you will not be beat out of it. But we are so foolish today. The way humanity just throws money away. Just absolutely throws it away. And pays big, big bucks. For what God says, I can give you that for nothing. But we say, no, no. I want to do it my way. Number six. Generosity conquers the root of all evil and avoids damaging temptations, lust, and sorrows. If you don't crave to be rich, you can be happy and not be rich. But if you're not going to be happy till you get rich, if some way the devil gave you your riches, you're not going to be happy then. I just read a story, almost used it today, may in the future, a man that won one of the biggest lotteries. And just before he died, he said, the worst day of my life was the day I won the lottery. That was my worst day. It changed my whole life. Not for good, but into defeat and ultimately death. That's Satan's world. But we're born again if we know the Lord. He that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. He's the great physician. He's not waiting for the next commercial to come up on television how you can get rid of your headaches or blemishes or whatever we got. And by the time you get my age, you got it all. <laughs> Can't afford all that stuff and Medicare won't pay for it. But it sure does sell good because everybody still believes all that stuff. But you know what? When you're born again, you know the great physician. By the touch of his hand, you can be saved. By the touch of your hand, you can be healed, even today. And this church could tell you many stories, and they're sitting right here, right now, that were given death warrants by medical science. But the great physician took over. And don't you ever forget Yogi Berra. He wrote none of the Bible. But, but I think he's the one that said it ain't over till it's over. If Yogi didn't say that, he should have, all right? Because it is sure true. It's not over till Jesus comes again. Amen. Number seven, generosity is made possible by God's provisions. God wants to bless you. God will supply all of your need. He will withhold nothing from you that will bring a blessing to you. He will not in any way, any way, hold you away from anything that's good for you. But he will protect you from the things that can destroy you. 
But generosity is made possible by God's blessing. In Deuteronomy 8, 17, and you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth. That's to God's kids. It's not the world's way. It's God's way. You follow me. I will provide for you. You do it the world's way, and you are going to hurt real, real bad. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God gave his son with a right attitude. I give my son in order that I can receive many sons. God gives us things to bless us and to let us see his power and his might and his direction and his provision. But again, and you can't get away from this in the Old or the New Testament, generosity is governed by the law of the harvest. If you know anything about farming, if you don't plant, you don't reap. Understand? Well, we sure got a lot of rain in West Texas. Well, I was out in West Texas the other day, and I didn't see any corn. I didn't see any butter beans. I didn't see any of that stuff. So I wonder why. They said, well, they planted those butter beans over Mississippi, and it rained in Texas. The rain doesn't bring it. It's a seed. If there's no seed to grow, it isn't going to grow. And you better plant it in the right place. Don't put it up on top of a rock and say, I'm sure it's going to just spring up. And we're going to have strawberries. We're going to have all this stuff. No, it didn't. You got to get it in the right ground. And I'll leave the rest of that for another time. But there's clear teaching of generosity is governed by the law of the harvest. Number nine. Generosity is like light and that both are available to all who want to benefit from them. Jesus is the light of the world. You want that light? It's yours. He will give you wisdom. You need that? Do you want to know how to invest? You want to know what to do? Are you waiting to see what the stock market does in the morning? Or you want to get on your knees today and say, God, what do you want to do with my life? Can you trust me, Lord? I want to change. I want to be a giver. I want to be able to take my life and put it on the line. To all of you veterans that stood a moment ago, and veterans all over our nation, there is not words adequate to those, from those of us that did not serve, and I did not serve. But there's no way I can express to you what I feel of gratitude for the freedom that I enjoy even to the preaching today of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not happening in a lot of part of the world. But it did happen in America. We're the greatest nation on the face of the earth. How in the world anybody can live in this country, enjoy this country, and not be a blessing and know, and be a blessing to God because God made this country possible. And anybody that wants to argue that this thing was not founded on faith of a small group of people that came and looking for a new place to start over, they don't know their history. 
I've talked to a lot of them, a lot smarter than me, and said, you better believe it. There were those that came over because they wanted a brand new start. You know what? You may need a brand new start today. Spiritually. Or it may be more important for you just to go on out the door and go eat and go do what you normally do. But you could change that. I must close. Let me be real quick. Generosity is like light. And that both are available to you. You can have it today. Luke 6, 30. Give to every man that asks of you. Him that, that takes away your goods, ask not again. And as you would that men should do to you, do to them likewise. Number 10. Generosity to, to the poor provides treasures in heaven for you. We have folks on our campus right now that need help. And we're in the process as I'm talking to you right now, helping some people that stepped on this campus this morning. There's nothing like blessing people. I mean, I'm going to right now. I'm just going to confess my sins, okay? I'm just opening up my confession booth here, and all of y'all be priests for just a minute. But, you know, I go to all these corners, and everybody's got their hand out. And I, and I want to rationalize, you know, they're going to spend it on beer, cigarettes, wine, whatever. And they might do that. But I always think that there might be one. And that one is just reaching out in the last moments. You know, I, right down here on the corner, there's people there all the time. Go over there a few feet and we have the greatest helping hands ministry in the world. All they got to do is leave the street and come inside the church. And that's happening today, right here today. And it ought to be that way. No, we're not angry. We're happy. Because God brings lost people to those that will share their witness with a lost person. God brings his wealth to those that will use it for his glory. His strength, his power, and his might. Generosity to the poor is actually making a loan to God that will be returned. Tenfold. A hundredfold. That's what the Bible says. Proverbs 19, 17 says, He that pitieth upon the poor lends unto the Lord, and that which he has given will he pay him again. In Deuteronomy 15 and 7, If there be among you a poor man of one of your brethren, wherein any of your gates in your land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from the poor or your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide unto him and shall surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wants. You shall surely give him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give unto him, because that for this thing the Lord your God shall bless you in all your works and in all that you put your hand to. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Give. Learn to give. Learn to share. Learn the joy that comes from a thank you and tears coming down the face of a waitress. Maybe somebody on the street. Maybe in the grocery store. No, you, it could be bogging anywhere you might go. But learn, learn, learn to give. This is number 12. Generosity is not determined by how much you give. It has to do with how much you have left over. How much do you have left over? You say, well, I'm leaving that. I'm going to ruin the lives of some other folks after I'm gone that didn't learn to work. 
That happens to so many. But God says, trust me, trust me, trust me. Give, give, give. Number 13, generosity is to be carried out so God receives the praise and the thanksgiving. To God be the glory, great things he has done. Whatever we do in word or deed, let's do it to the glory of God. If we can give financially or we can give of our time, we can give of our talent, whatever that is, let's give it to the glory of God. Let God be praised. Let God be glorified. Let all these things that we yearn for not come to us, but come to him. In Matthew 6, 3, But when you do alms, let not your left hand know what your right hand does, that your alms may be in secret, and your Father which sees in secret himself shall reward you openly. 2 Corinthians 9, 11, Being enriched in everything, in all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God for the administration of this service, not only supplies the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. And number 14, generosity is God's remedy for stealing. You say, I don't steal. Yes, you do. If you don't give, you're stealing from God. God said, use this money for this. You say, no, I'm going to use it for that. If you don't use it for what it was given to you for, then God has every right to deal with that situation until you do learn. Or he just passes you by and says, you're not going to ever change. I'm just going to go my way. Well, time is gone. I'm going to give you the, the last two. Generosity opens the windows of heaven and it restrains the devourer from your assets. It's better than any insurance policy you can buy. What it will do, Matthew 3, 7 through 11. Go read it. Matthew 3, 7 through 11. It opens the windows of heaven and it destroys the devourer that's taking your assets away. And then number 16, generosity is an exchange of temporal things for eternal things and eternal relationships. Your house isn't going to burn down. It's not going to be destroyed by hurricanes in heaven. The, go the streets are gold. The walls are jasper. The gates are pearl. Everything we need is going to be there. The builder and maker is God. So for those of us that preach and sell insurance, neither are going to be needed. Soldiers, you fought your last battle. Police, you're not needed either. Life insurance salesman, sorry. Space, explorers, you don't be sending people to space, you be in space. Praising the creator of the universe. All things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. His purpose for leaving us here is to finish the work he put us here to do. And it takes money. It takes money. I like Flip Wilson when he, years ago, that comedian on television, Reverend Leroy. He said, this church needs to get up from laying down. Everybody said, let her get up, preacher. Let her get up. He said, no, no, no. He said, this church needs to walk. 
That's right, preacher. That's right. That's right. Let her walk. Let her walk. Let her walk. He said, no, 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 no. This, this, this church needs to run. We don't need to walk. We're moving too slow. We need to run. We need to run. But to run, it's going to take money. And all the people said, let her walk, preacher. Let her walk. <laughs> I'm wanting the church to run. I don't want to walk. I don't want to sit down. I want the future days to be better than the former days. I won't live in the future days, very many of those years, but I've lived a lot of them in the past. And I'm looking right now at hundreds of people whose lives have been changed by the simple gospel of Jesus Christ and has taken a little and turned it into a much. And the reason God has chosen to bless Sagemont Church in Houston that's known throughout the land is because a willing-hearted people discovered the love of God, the power of God, and the generosity of God as his eyes went to and fro to show himself strong. And for churches to hear that there's a church in America that still gives 30% of its money to missions, there is one. And it happened not from the wealth of an individual, but from the wealth of a holy God that took ordinary people and all together we've seen the miracles.